Thanks for joining us today for the Lighthouse Church Podcast. We love hearing stories about how this podcast and how our church encourages and allows us to use God's Word to reach others not just in our area, but all over the world. If you got a story about something you've heard on this podcast that has made a difference in your life, let us know by emailing us at amen at lighthouseag.com. We'd love to hear about it. Also, if you'd like to help this ministry financially, you can do so online at www.lighthouseag.com by clicking on the online giving and help us bring this message and others like it to you each week. Thanks for joining us. We encourage you to open your heart and minds today to experience a word from God. Would you take your Bibles? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. I want to talk to you today about what leaders wish you knew about end times. What leaders wish you knew about end times. One thing I wish you knew, I wish you were here with us on Wednesday night because the teachings we've been sharing have a way of building upon one another during this series. On Wednesday night, we looked at Jesus' words when he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me you evildoers. What's an evildoer? An evildoer is someone who practices sin, someone who practices evil. Jesus says that not everyone who calls him Lord will make it into heaven. In fact, he describes a segment of people who will not make it to heaven, who will not enter the kingdom of heaven as what? What did he say there? Who's going to do it? Who's going to say to him, Lord, Lord? What? Many. He said, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord. He describes it as many. Another word for many, he doesn't say a few. He doesn't say a minority. He says many, multitudes. A lot of people will say to me on that day, on what day? On judgment day. They'll say, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we drive out demons and perform many miracles in your name? Surely those are signs of spiritual maturity and spirituality. Surely those are signs that God is pleased with us. But look at verse 23 again. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Away from me, you who practice sin. Now, who is it then that will enter the kingdom of heaven? Jesus said, It's only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Okay. Whose words are these? Jesus's words. Does his words matter to you? They better. You need to listen up. You need to pay attention. If Jesus says something, you need to listen. You don't need to believe what society says. You don't need to believe what the culture says. You don't need to believe what's being propagated around you, even in the church. You need to listen to the words of Jesus. He says that only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven is the one who will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not the person who's an usher at the church. It's not the person who serves on a committee. It's not the person who plays music. It's not the person who sings or teaches the class. Jesus 
earlier had said that these people who perform miracles, these people who prophesy, these people who drive out demons, those are power. Those are power encounters. And he says, even if you do all of these things, that's not necessarily a sign that they'll make it into the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of the Father. What is God's will? Well, his will is revealed through his commands. God's will is revealed through his word. And so you can know the will of God by reading the word of God. If you're doing things that are contrary, you're a lawbreaker, you're an evildoer. If you're doing things that are contrary to the word of God, if you're disregarding his commands, that ranks you with the evildoers, okay? Matthew chapter 24. Jesus had had a conversation with his disciples and he is sitting on the Mount of Olives looking over at the temple and the city of Jerusalem. And you sit up on a hill and there's a valley and you look up and it's on another hill right there, okay? And Jesus is standing there on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. He's looking over the city of Jerusalem that he knows that temple is going to be destroyed. And we pick up verse 3 of Matthew chapter 24. And he tells them about the last days. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one, underline it in your Bible right now. Just take out your Bible, underline that. Watch out that no one deceives you. Why would Jesus tell them to watch out that no one deceives them? One of Satan's greatest weapons? Why else would he tell them, watch out that no one deceives you? Because in the last days, there's going to be a lot of people who are deceived. There's going to be a great deception in the last days. So Jesus says, watch out that no one deceives you. Okay? See to it that no one deceives you. Then he goes on. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and they will deceive, what? Okay, there's going to be a lot of people who will be deceived by people who come say that they're the Messiah, and many will be deceived by that. We're beyond that. I know that some guy comes and tells me he's the Messiah. I rank him up as the wacko. You know what I mean? He ain't no Messiah. I know that. So we're beyond that one. We know that that's not. But he says that there's going to be many people who will believe that. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But what's the next part of the verse say? But see to it that you are not alarmed. So don't let that worry you. I remember growing up as a kid, you know, oh my goodness, there's something going on in the Middle East. You know, and the pastor would preach about it and and people would get all nervous and, and anxious and, oh my. He says, see to it that you're not alarmed. This must happen. He says, this has to happen. It's gonna take place. You're gonna see it taking place. This must happen. But the end is still to come, okay? Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Sometimes people think, well, there's a war in the Middle East. They've been having wars for centuries. There's famines and they're intensifying. He says, this is the beginning. When you see these things take place, you know that this is the beginning of the birth pains. It's not the end. 
It's the beginning of the birth pains. Now, here's verse 9. In your Bibles, I would underline this one. Verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. That's one of the things that you're going to see taking place in the last days. You will be handed over and persecuted and put to death. Now, if you look in many of the Muslim countries of the world, Islamic countries, believers, followers of Jesus Christ are being persecuted and put to death. Now, here in America, because it's somewhere far off, we think this doesn't apply to us, but don't be deceived. He says in the last days, believers will be handed over and persecuted and literally put to death. There's countries of the world around our world once again, particularly in the Islamic states where believers are being persecuted. All you have to do is turn on the TV. All you have to do is listen to the radio and you hear about these things that are taking place all around us. And he says, you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, what's the next word? Many. At that time when persecution comes, There's going to be not a few, not a couple, but many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. When? At that time, when persecution comes, it's going to weed out those who are truly devoted to Jesus. It's going to weed out those who are following him for the, if I follow you, Jesus, you'll give me a bigger car. If I follow you, Jesus, you know, you'll give me all the things that I want. What he says to him, he says, at that time, there's going to be a lot who will turn away from the father and they will turn against one another. And many false prophets will appear. And what's the next word? And deceive what? And deceive many. So there's going to be a lot of deception in the last days. There's going to be a great falling away in the last days. There's going to be persecution coming to the body of Christ in the last days. Verse 12, I see this is where we live in America. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of what? Most. It doesn't say many. It says the love of most has grown cold. Because of the increase of wickedness, Jesus is saying this. He says the love of most people is going to grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, not before, and then the end will come. So in the last days, we are going to see an increase of wickedness. In the last days, you're going to see the love of most people grow cold. Don't be surprised in the church when you see people who are lackadaisical or indifferent about spiritual things. Because of the increase of wickedness, we're in the last days. The love of many, the love of most people is going to grow cold, he says. Who is it then that will be saved? Jesus said the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. He does not say that everybody is going to be saved. We live in a season when people have started to believe in universal salvation. There's some who teach it and believe it theologically. And there again, we mark those guys off as part of the nut groups. You know that they've fallen off the wagon. You know that they've been deceived when they preach this one TV preacher 
was preaching that even the devil would get saved. And you're like, my goodness, what a nut. Don't turn on your TV late at night. Okay, don't turn it on. You don't need to be watching that stuff. There's crazy stuff that they're preaching, but we know that that's not true. We don't believe it theologically, but in practice. Many people have believed it in practice. They believe as long as someone said a prayer once, they're okay. You know, you see them in church every once in a while, they're okay. It's almost like all dogs go to heaven. And, you know, a funeral, Uncle Buck, he didn't want anything to do with God. He never had anything to do with God, never had anything to do with the things of God. And he dies and everybody has him in heaven. I'm going to be honest with you. Uncle Buck's in hell. If Uncle Buck did not turn from his sin and repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and do the works that Jesus called him to do, Uncle Buck's in hell. He's not in heaven. We deceive people into believing that everybody's going to make it. Jesus says not everybody is going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, if you love me, everybody loves, oh, I love Jesus. You meet people and they're telling you how much they love Jesus and they're just living in just out and out gross sin. But they tell you they still love Jesus. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And they're not hard. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. The fact of saying that I love him, the fact of just me saying I love him, doesn't mean I'm going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Because he says on that day, there's going to be many who are going to say to him, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of these things in your name? Didn't we do all of these miraculous signs in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. Let's look what I believe is a prophetic word about the church in the last days. It's a vivid description of what the church is going to be like. And I think that we're foolish if we just believe this to be a nice story. We call it a parable. But I think it's a whole lot more than a parable. I think it's a picture of what things are going to be like in the end times. Jesus says, at that time, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven, what time is he talking about? End time, at the end, at the coming of the Lord, okay? At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise, The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. And said, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. What happened to the door? What banquet do you think that is? What do you think it is? The marriage supper of the lamb. The door is shut, okay? This isn't just like, 
Lori's birthday party. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Later on, the others also came. Here again, we hear this. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day nor the hour. First, I want you to notice that all 10 of them were what? Who do the virgins represent? The church. It represents the bride of Christ. It wasn't five virgins and three harlots and two prostitutes. It wasn't five virgins and five strippers, okay? It wasn't that. It wasn't five virgins and five adulterous women. It was 10 virgins, 10. It represents the church, okay? That's what it represents. It represents the church of Jesus Christ at the time of the coming of the Lord. It says they were all virgins. It doesn't say that half of them were virgins and half of them weren't. It said that they were all virgins. It says half of them were wise and half of them were foolish. That's what it says. So it's a picture for us today of the church. All of them went out to meet the bridegroom. Who is the bridegroom? Jesus. They all went out to meet Christ at the coming of the Lord. The distinction between the wise and the foolish is that the wise ones took oil in their jars and the foolish did not. I want you to notice that the bridegroom took a long time coming. And when he delays his coming, people get drowsy. That's the way it is today. You see people there that because they've heard the message of the coming of the Lord, the first few times they hear it, their heart is stirred. The first time they hear it, it awakens something in them and they come to a, you know, they come and give themselves to Christ or kneel at an altar or respond to the call. But after a while, when he delays his coming, people begin to grow drowsy and they begin to focus on other things. That's really the state of the church. We've heard that Jesus is coming. You've heard it since you were a child. For those of you who've been in church. And before long, what happens is the people begin to, yeah, I believe he's coming, but I don't think it's right now. One of the things that made the Assemblies of God successful in their early years is they preached the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They preached healing, salvation, and the coming of the Lord. Those were their four. If you went to church, you heard about the coming of the Lord. You heard about healing. You heard about baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you heard about salvation. You didn't hear much else, but you heard an awful lot of that. And you know what? People responded to the preaching of the word and they repented of their sins and they turned from their sins. Notice that the bridegroom took a long time. When the bridegroom arrived, the foolish ones were not ready for his coming. The ones who were ready went in and after they went in, what happened to the door? The door was shut. Who's telling us this word? Oh, it's in red in your Bible. And he says, this is how it's going to be when? At the end times, at the coming of the Lord, this is what it's going to be like. Does Jesus lie to you? Are you sure? When he says something, does he mean what he says? Now, I know that, you know, we've grown up in a society where nobody really means what they say a lot of times. You're going to be in trouble if you keep it up. Keep it up and nothing happens to you. What Jesus really needs to do is just come down and strike a couple of people dead. I mean, boom. In the Old Testament, that's what the Lord did. People got out of line, pow, he'd strike them dead. And you'd say, oh my goodness, how could he be such a horrible, mean God? Wow. 
So you have one person who's rebellious, who doesn't want to follow God, and you got about a thousand or a million of them who are watching him. Would you give up one for the million? That sounds pretty good to me. Here we are. Let's go back to our text. Look at verse 11 again. Later on, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. They kept knocking at the door. Did he let them in? Are you sure? We let you in when you're late. We're like, oh, it's okay. I understand. Jesus isn't going to be like that. He says when he shuts the door on the day of the ark, and we're going to get down to that one. When the Lord shut the door of the ark, that was it. There's a moment in time where God says, that's it, no more. Up until then, it's a time of grace. It's a time of God's calling to people. But there does come a point in time that's the cutoff day. And Jesus is teaching that. I want you to notice the percentage that was prepared to enter at the coming of the bridegroom. Five of them were wise. Five were, how many went in? Five out of 10 is what percent? 50%. So if you had a hundred virgins, same scenario, a hundred virgins, how many of them would go in? 50. If we had 200 virgins, how many would make it in? 100. You guys are pretty, you're pretty good at simple math. We're doing good. If we had a thousand virgins, how many of them would have made it in? 500. Hmm. Now notice this. Jesus did not say in telling this account, he says, this is how it's going to be. He didn't say we got a hundred virgins, 98 were wise and two were foolish. Did you notice that? He said five were wise and five were foolish. If we have 200, we had 200 virgins. What do we say it would be? 100 wise, 100 would make it in, 100 wouldn't. Jesus wasn't talking about the world. What's he talking about? He's talking about his church, his bride. When there's a wedding in town, are all of you part of the wedding party? No, you're not. Not everybody's a part of every wedding party. And people think that this prophetic word And they're like, well, half the people in the world will make it in and half won't. He's talking about the church. He says, in the last days, the church is going to be in a state where the majority of them, most of them are asleep. He said, most will fall asleep. They'll grow drowsy. But he says, half of them are going to be wise and and half of them are going to be foolish. Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to go back in our scripture earlier to Matthew 24, verse 37. Jesus says this, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. This is how it will be at the coming of the son of man. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Now I want you to think, notice he doesn't say we're going to have a hundred people working in the fields. 98 will be taken 
99 will be taken and one will be left. From Jesus' teaching, it's not going to be a small smidgen, small minority that are going to be left. From what he's saying, there's going to be a many people who are going to say to him. He doesn't say a few. He says there's going to be many. Verse 42 is why we're here today. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Can I be honest with you? I honestly believe that this is as much of a prophetic word as any of the prophecies that Isaiah or Ezekiel or John spoke about. I believe that Jesus, when he said this, he's speaking prophetically a warning to the church that a portion of the church is going to be caught outside knocking at the door. Who's going to enter in? The one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. The one who perseveres. A lot of times people will say, Pastor, you're being judgmental. I'm sorry, I didn't say this. I didn't write this. I didn't come up with it. I didn't make it up on my own. I wasn't laying in bed. I didn't type it. Whose words are they? They're Jesus's words. Over the years, I've seen things coming and I've warned people. And one of the frustrations, I'll be honest with you, the thing that's frustrating about ministry is when I warn people and they don't pay any attention. I mean, I'm just telling you, it makes me sick. I lay in bed. I think, can I say it another way? What if I sat down when I told them? What if I sent it to them in an email? What if I typed it different? What if I recorded it? How could I possibly tell them so that they'll listen? I want to be honest with you. If you don't listen, there's a lot of people who suffer and hurt. I'd like to say that it doesn't matter to me if you don't listen, but it does. I can't get away from it. It bothers me. I've warned people about danger and they've not listened. As I was doing my message, I was thinking of, I've warned some and they didn't listen. They end up going to jail. I've warned some. And they've lost their marriages. I've warned some. They've lost their kids. I've warned some. And they've fallen out of fellowship with God in the church. Some people have lost their homes because they just wouldn't listen. Some have lost their reputations. Some have lost their jobs. All they, I'm telling you, all they had to do, all they had to do was just listen. They lost their jobs. They lost their home. Homes that have been given to them and lose it. Do you know how hard it is to have a marriage? Do you know how hard it is to build a home and all of these things? Some have lost their reputations. One even committed murder and took his own life. I told him, I said, this kind of thing will end up killing you. And all those people had one thing in common. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't heed the warning. Here's the thing. It's horrible if you go to jail. That's horrible. You'll survive. You'll get a couple of tattoos and, and <laughs> you'll survive. It's not going to kill you. If you lose your home, if you lose your reputation, if you lose your job, if you lose your marriage, there's hopes of rebuilding that. You can get another house. 
But there's going to be a day where it's a cutoff day. Boom. And there won't be any changing after that. There will be nothing you can do. You can't go back. Given what Jesus said, this is what I think we need to do. I think every one of us need to get our families right beside us. And Dad, you better be praying. You better get that little girl and you put your arm around her and you pray. You better get that son of yours, that wife of yours, and put your arms around him. And you better pray. You better start awakening. You know how there's things that happen and you're like, I knew it was going to happen, but I can't believe it's already here. Those are things, if you lost your house, you can get another house. On that day, you won't be able to do anything about it. Now's the time. If Jesus said, he didn't say a few. In his story, he said, five were wise and five were foolish. He said, many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. He said, the most, the love of most is going to grow cold. As a church, I got to warn you. As I was praying, I realized that there's people, no matter what I say, there's people who are a part of Lighthouse and have been a part of Lighthouse who when that day comes, some of your sons and daughters, they're not going to make it. We need to waken up. Some of you, evildoers, those of you who are practicing, you're continuing in your sin. He says, depart from me, you evildoers, you who practice iniquity. Those of you who continue in your sin, let me tell you, I know everybody wants to say that you're okay. No, he says, if you're a liar, then no liar has gone in. So you keep on telling your lies and deceiving people. Your grace of God's incredible, but he says no liars are coming in. So if you are continuing a lifestyle where you continue to practice iniquity, what are you? If you continue to lie, what are you? You're a liar. If you continue to steal, you're a thief. The reality of it is, is people may want to make you feel good, but you need to repent of your sin if you're going to make it. Because if you don't, you are going to be lumped with the foolish ones. Those are ones who refuse when God calls them. He loves them. You're practicing adultery. Like, hey, man, I'm practicing this. I'm, I'm working at it. You know what? You're not going in. I don't care. You can serve in any position. You can quote a million verses. If you are practicing, if you're living in rebellion, that's rebellion against God. No rebels going into the kingdom of heaven. You're not going. As we close, this is what I want to say to you. I want to ask you as a church, you say, ain't going to be me. I'm going to be ready. Some kids might not go, but it's not going to be my kids. Some other people may turn away and the love of others may grow cold, but I'm going to determine in my heart that my love is not going to grow cold. Lord Jesus, we come to you in Jesus name. And we ask you, Father, as we repent for the sin in our lives. Lord, we want to turn from our iniquity. We want to turn from ungodliness, Lord. We ask you in Jesus' name that you would have mercy upon us. We pray, God, that you would show us the error of our ways. I pray for Holy Spirit conviction to come back into the church today, Lord. Bring Holy Spirit conviction back into the church. Bring Holy Spirit conviction back into the house. Bring Holy Spirit conviction back into the pulpit, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. 
Convict us of our sins. Convict us of our unrighteousness. Convict us for our lazy spirits, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we repent. We repent before you, God. We repent, Lord. In Jesus' name.